episode of the Net Megasys podcast brought to you by Net Megasys. My name is Ritvik and I'm the host of the show, as you would know. And I got a very special guest today with me. He has been on the show once or twice, if I'm not wrong. He is Ninad. He is an excellent data journalist, or I would I, I would say even an analyst as well. He is a really amazing guy. He is really good at football knowledge in general too. So welcome to the show once again, Ninad. Thanks for the very kind introduction, Rathak. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been like very hectic, uh, but yeah, all all good right now. The discussion for today is the top four race, the Premier League top four race. This is a podcast which is a patron request by our patron Peter Van Gogh. And he wanted us to talk about the top four race. And Ninad, since you are a Manchester United supporter, we couldn't get a better guest, you know. So I'm sure you could, but okay. <laughs> <Let's not decide. laughs> Manchester United, Arsenal, Bulls, and maybe even West Ham might have a proper chance to finish fourth. Wolves, I'm not really sure. But yeah, you could count them as an outsider, maybe. But it's going to be mainly between Manchester United, Arsenal, Spurs and West Ham because West Ham has been really, really good this season under David Moyes. Just before starting, what do you think of the top four race in general? Like, how do you think the season's been for the teams involved in the top four race so far? Uh, I think it's been it's been quite interesting. Like, you know, um, I think for the past couple of seasons now, you've always had this divide between Man City, Liverpool, and the rest of the league, basically. And now you, it's it's sort of like there's two races going on. So there's one, there's a Premier League title race, and then there's obviously you know the top four race that we had to talk about. Um, you know, ultimately, if if things go as they should. There's probably only one spot to play for, which is the fourth place. And, you know, it's 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 quite interesting how this all of these different teams are, you know, in the mix. Uh, you know, United have uh, United have had a inconsistent run. So I'm not very confident on our chances of top four. Uh Rafa Nick has, you know, spoken multiple occasions about, you know, the team's goals being getting that Champions League spot. Uh but then you have Arsenal, who are sort of, you know, finding their feet now under Arteta. You know, the tactical identity is great. Football's coming along. You know, it's it's really good to watch. And obviously, you know, even against Liverpool, I mean, I, I'm sure you saw yesterday for a good period of time, they they gave you guys a good test. And then you have, uh, you know, teams like Tottenham and West Ham, who West Ham probably more so, like you said, the outsider outsider team. And Tottenham, who just, you know, as, um, as erratic as Antonio Conte is off the pitch, I think on the pitch, there is something definitely working for him. Uh, you've seen like you know a dramatic sort of improvement in the underlying numbers. So you know things things are looking good for Tottenham, and you know, I think all of these different factors just sort of adds a different edge to the top four race, wherein you know just um, having the sort of same contenders going about it, but there are different challenges for each of the teams, and that will sort of I think add a different uh, different element to to the uh, to the top four race when it finishes at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean just running through the points again. I mean Arsenal are in fourth right now with 51 points and they played like 27 games. Um in fifth you have Manchester United with 50, in sixth you have West Ham with 48 and Tottenham in seventh with again 48 points. And Tottenham have a game in hand uh, to United and West Ham while Arsenal have two games in hand. And what what's really funny is that one of those games in hand for Arsenal is Chelsea, which is going to be a very tough tie. But if Arsenal can get a get a win this this weekend, 
they will close the gap to Chelsea again to five more points. And I know this probably isn't going to happen. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's like very, very little chance of this happening. But do you think Chelsea might be in the top four race? Probably probably post the next 3-4 games? Uh, I mean, it's it's tricky. It's tricky. I think with Chelsea, it's just there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty about what's happening on the, you know, on and off the pitch for them. So, uh, you know, when the season started, I, you know, I definitely had them as one of the teams who will push Liverpool and Man City to, to the edge in terms of the title race itself. But, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how they sort of go about the rest of their season. You know, uh, like you said, you know, Man City and Liverpool are sort of uh, the two the two sort of you know giants for the title. But then when you look at when you look at Chelsea's running, um, you know, they've got they've got quite a few interesting teams against them. They've got Brentford, Southampton, Leeds. You know, Southampton can be a bit a bit of a tricky tricky team to figure out sometimes. You know, they can be on a really good run and then they can lose to Watford. So uh, that, that those kind of things happen. And then they've got they've got plenty of interesting teams to play against for the rest of the season. So um, all in all, um, I do trust Tuchel's you know tactical nows to be able to get through those games, even with all the off you know off pitch distractions. You know, like like we saw you know yesterday they they beat Leo, they they've beaten you know Newcastle as well. You know these have been even games for them, but. This, you know, they're, they're getting through those games, and ultimately, I think that's that's important for them in terms of their performances on the pitch. So we'll see, we'll see. I think uh, as long as they, you know, maintain uh, maintain their sort of control during games, I think they should be okay. So yeah, I mean, um, if if they do some somehow, you know, massively mess up the mess up their results in the coming fixtures, you know, there there's every chance that Arsenal will push them to the sword. Um, you know, West Ham as well. Then you have you have you have United as well, but I'm not holding out uh, too much hope for that game for United. Um, and then Wolves, you know, Wolves have uh, Wolves have been a very interesting team under Bruno Lage this season. I know we, you know, you mentioned them as being sort of a outside outside option uh, for the top four race, but they've been very um, they've been a very peculiar team in that they don't create too much, but they don't concede too much either. Um, so that'll be another test for for Tuchel, but you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll sure he'll be okay. I think uh, even fixture-wise, if you look at Arsenal's fixtures, they they still have games against Chelsea. Uh, again, the Arsenal-Manchester United game is probably the crucial one, and they still have a game against West Ham. I mean, so they play Chelsea. Um, I think midweek, then they play Manchester United this weekend, and then again uh, West Ham the next week. So that three games in a row is like really really crucial for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. And as for Man United, I think they have Liverpool coming up the postponed game from this week. Um, yeah, Arsenal obviously and Chelsea, which is the penultimate game of the season for them. And they have some probably a couple of tricky games in Crystal Palace and Brighton. Probably I I I, I would probably still call them a bit tricky. I know they haven't probably been at the best in the last couple of months. I think um, they've kind of slipped a bit uh, under Graham Potter. They kind of slapped this season, to be very honest. But that still is a, a pretty tricky game. And United end the season at Crystal Palace against Patrick Vieira's amazing Palace team, who's been like really brilliant this season. And they have some really amazing young players, Ulis, uh, Eze and stuff. So if you look at Tottenham's fixtures, they have Liverpool, and I think West Ham as well. Uh, West Ham game is this, this weekend, if I'm not wrong. And then they just have like Liverpool probably um, 
which is in May. So I think fixture-wise, probably it's Tottenham. It's on Tottenham, uh, I guess, because they have kind of uh, easier fixtures compared to United and Arsenal. So and they have a game in hand too, which means they could go uh, above United if they win this weekend against West Ham. So it's a it's a very very tricky race. It's it's been really hard to predict this season how things go. But, you know, just when you think um, Tottenham could pounce when United slip up, they fail to win. It's it's been it's been that kind of season for the top four clubs. And um, I think I, I was just like looking at um, the expected goals at analyst, and I think in terms of xG created from open play, Manchester United are actually third in the league. To be honest, uh, Tottenham fifth and Arsenal sixth, West Ham seventh. So. I think United under Rangnick. I I I know you know better because I think you you watch uh, United play more under Rangnick for sure. Um, I kind of missed the first few games that you know United played under Rangnick, but I think lately whenever I've been watching, even when the results haven't gone your way, I think there's been quite a decent improvement. Although it's not really been reflected in the results and probably some of the individual performances as well. Uh, there's a lot. A lot of things that's strong at Manchester United at the moment, but um, but we're not going to go deep into that. But do you think um, there probably could be, you know, the the underlying numbers probably could show up um, in the output, and United could probably, you know, grab some good results towards the end of the season? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, I think there's every chance that you know somehow things could click and they could, you know, fall fall in place. Uh, yeah, in terms of you know building momentum for those crucial fixtures, I think you know United still have uh, Liverpool and Arsenal to play back to back, and then towards the back end of the season, we still have Brighton, Chelsea, and then like you said, you know uh, Palace at the end of the season. So there are these tricky fixtures, and you know there's definitely been an improvement in the in the underlying numbers under under Raniak. but you know it's just. As there's been a there's been a real sense of frustration whenever you watch United. It's just that you know we we have the players to be able to physically live up to Rani's style, but these players are still not equipped to control games in the way that you want a Rani team to do. Uh, because it's not just about pressing; it's it's also about pressing to control games. Um, you know, and there's there's definitely been uh, I'd say an over reliance on on Ronaldo to deliver. So because when it's usually the case that whenever he has a good game, United as a whole have a good game, and you know we saw that with him at Juventus, um, he is usually the man who you know gets all the goals, which is probably because you know all the, all of the team is centered you know around creating chances for him. So if if he's not you know on on his game, chances are that United do slip up. So, um, but yeah, like you said, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely been an encouraging improvement in, in the underlying numbers. Uh, you know, we're, we're fifth for, for non-penalty XG, um, you know, on a, on, on the league table. And then, but, you know, the, the more frustrating thing has been, you know, the, the XG against numbers, which is for which we are still sort of league average according to, according to numbers from Statsform. And then I think one of the more trickier, uh, things about about Ranier's challenges at United so far has been the lack of um, options off the bench. I think even more so in recent games that's become more apparent with with how you know Rashford has been. He is always suffering you know a poor a poor spell of form. 
but it's not exactly ideal at this moment because we're in the business end of the season and sort of every result counts for United at this point. So I think, you know, before we get into sort of the more trickier end of fixtures, we still have Leicester in the league. We have Everton and Norwich. And these are teams that you would expect United to get results against. And Leicester, you know, they've been they've been under some really, you know, terrible form under under Rogers. And I think for him, um, the time is, you know, coming coming to the end, coming to an end for him at, at Leicester. Uh, but you know, Lampard and Everton still finding their feet and it's not looking, you know, like a great combination. And and Norwich, I mean they can they can, you know, give you maybe a little bit of a tough ride, but it's that that is one of the games where you see United comfortably winning. So that those three games I think will be critical to to sort of build momentum. And then you have the big games against Liverpool and Arsenal, which I think will be incredibly difficult. I I personally at this point I don't see us winning those games, but you know, things can change and United can somehow suddenly become the fourth best team in the country, which is it which it is, you know, currently not at the moment. So we'll see. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very tricky. The fixture list is definitely very tricky because uh, I think the form that Arsenal is in currently, Liverpool as well. I think we are. I mean, I say we because I support Liverpool. So I think we are probably one of the most balanced team um, in Europe at the moment, mm-hmm. and we are kind kind of on on a relentless run, and we are catching up to Man City as well. So I think it's going to be a really tough game for you guys, especially because. Um, the title race is still on um, and you guys play at Anfield. So it's going to be extra difficult against Arsenal as well. Uh, I think United have kind of got results against Arsenal probably lately and especially the last game when Ronaldo scored twice. I think um, there's been a lot of talk about some individual players for Manchester United in, uh, in general, like Ronaldo, obviously. Uh, we, we, we know, I mean, he scored a hat-trick against Spurs. Absolutely. That was a fantastic performance from him. Uh, I mean, without doubt, Fred, Ronaldo probably were United's two best players in the game. But I don't think one p- performance really accounts for, you know, probably a series of bad showings. And it's not been a good fit for United at all. Uh, I, I kind of just looked at uh, the numbers from, again, the analyst, which is uh, powered by Okta. And if you look at the direct speed uh, metric, which means how fast teams move the ball up, I think United are one of most of the slowest teams who move the ball up, uh, who basically progress the ball upfield. So there's a lot of issues in midfield. Uh, there's been individual issues in defense. We know Harry Maguire is actually very, very, very capable midfield. Uh, sorry, very, very capable center half. But there's been a very, very bad run of form of late, and he's been making some really bad individual errors, which has caused and you know this 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 whole saga running. On Maguire, we'll not get into that. But still, um, do uh, do you think dropping Cristiano Ronaldo could possibly help United change things at the moment? Uh, or, you, think, or, or, or let me yeah. pray, uh, like phrase it this way: Do you think it's it's probably risky to try and change a lot now? Yeah, I think I think that's the more pertinent question: Is that do you risk exploring that kind of option? And I don't think that United are in a position to do that. They don't have the luxury to do that. And, you know, like we've said, you know, Ronaldo's performances have been on and off. He started the season in a brilliant vein of form, then dipped again. Then he sort of had a, um, you know, an upturn again, at least domestically, you know, scored the hat-trick against Spurs. So he's temporarily, you know, uh, silenced his doubters, so to speak. But, you know, like you said, um, one performance does not write off everything that's, you know, been a problem with him this season. I think, 
uh, Ranik is start, you know, st- slowly starting to realize that as well, is that when you have uh, a player with, with the kind of profile that Cristiano Ronaldo is, you have to build your team around servicing him and you have to give him as many chances necessary to, to put the ball in the back of the net. And as long as you, as long as you put him in a situation where he is, you know, he is left with no other option than remaining central and, you know, not drifting out as he normally does. He likes to have a lot of touches of the ball. We know that. But I think uh, for United, ultimately, it's more important that he stays central, which he did against Spurs and which is why, you know, uh, which is why he got those goals. And I think as long as he does more of that, I think Rangnick and the team will be okay. Uh, at the moment, I, you know, even hypothetically speaking, uh, dropping him or even trying out something different is again uh, a bit of a non-option because Cavani's fitness is so-so, and then you have uh, with with Rashford's, you know, dip in form. Um, it's it's really tricky, I think, even for Rani to even you know work out a way uh, in which his own system, the four triple two. Uh, and in that system, you need you need a sort of uh, a target man's you know target man esque forward because he had Paulson at, at Leipzig and he hasn't really had a chance to uh, discover a profile like that United because it basically doesn't exist. We don't really have a striker like that uh, at United. So I think which is why you know we've seen you know sort of revert back to a four two three one sometimes. Um, uh, and then now this I think we're starting starting to see. Can play more of the 4-3-3. Fred and McTominay, you know, Fred definitely massively improved. You can see, uh, like you said, you know, he he was one of the better players against Spurs. And then you, I think you are starting to see shades of the player that excels for Brazil because he's given that freedom to sort of go forward, bomb forward, knowing that he has Fabinho's security at the back, which is not necessarily always the case with McTominay because he, although he's been better, uh, I have to quite frank he has been he has been better under Ranik I think Ranik has somehow been able to implement some improvement in, in McTominay which is positive to see uh, which is which means that he is not a total lost cause um, you know so it's that's that's one one encouraging thing to see so you know all in all I think at the moment United and Ronaldo just have to stick with each other and hope that you know things work out because there really is no other option at the moment absolutely um I think, I, yeah, like you said, I think it's probably a bit of a risk to, you know, try and experiment once again new things because um, the loss against Athletic, I mean, again, ending another season uh, being trophyless is, is not really great for Manchester United as a club. Personally, I enjoy that. <laughs> but, but, of course you did. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, but we will move on to the next team, the Spurs. Uh, we'll speak about Arsenal at the end. But Spurs, again, under Antonio Conte, there's been an improvement, but the results that they've had in the last two months, it's been freaky, to say the least. I mean, the EFL Cup semi-finals, they lost both games against Chelsea. If you look at the league uh, league performances after that, the, the freak win against Leicester, you know, Steven Bergwijn masterclass towards the end. That After that win, they lost against Chelsea. Then they won in the FA Cup against Brighton. Lost to Southampton in the league. Lost to Wolves in the league. Won against Manchester City of all teams um, in the league, which was great for Liverpool. And then they lost to Burnley at <laughs> Turf Moor. Then they actually smashed Leeds United. 
again losing once again the FA Cup to Middlesbrough, thrashing Everton the next game, and losing to Manchester United last week. And yesterday they did comprehensively like pretty well beat Brighton. So it's it's hard to see where Tottenham are heading right now because I know um, uh, especially Nathan A. Clark who and the guys who run um, the podcast The Extra Inch they've been reading about uh, the improvements there and there's been issues with Hingman Son as well who's, who's not in great form at the moment but Harry Kane's like really stepped up under Conte and there's been there's been like a solid improvement under Conte I know I know he's he's already started pulling his shenanigans uh, which he's been pulling all, all career like at Chelsea at Inter at Juventus as well you you get that with Conte that's a that's a full package but I think there's been a um, pretty good improvement as well. You can see that uh, even in the underlying numbers that they have. I think even as a unit, they started playing better. The signings as well, Dejan Kuluseski has been, I think, really, really smart. It was a smart signing. And it's kind of working, to be honest. So, And they kind of have like favorable fixtures with the freak run that they've had in the last two months. You really can't bank on them getting top four. But I would honestly say that they are the team that probably has the biggest chance of finishing fourth. Arsenal 2 followed by Manchester United. That's just my personal opinion by the underlying numbers, looking at the underlying numbers and also you know, just just the eye test speaking as well lately. So, what do you think might be crucial for Spurs here? Because um, I know, I mean, just like, like I mentioned like, like I mentioned the previous five times, the freaky run, do you expect Spurs to be more stable uh, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the ultimate question. I think where where Tottenham have to find a sort of stability in results. Um, you know, they 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 can have they can have off days and off results, and they can have days where they look you know incredible, like you know they like they like they did against like they did against Everton, and then they can look really bad like they did against United, um, where you know you score the goals but not really controlling games. And then Ronaldo scores a hat trick. So you know, I think their result against Brighton was very important important for them. That two nil victory, you know, sets them up nicely for their upcoming fixtures. You know, which is again against some really uh, tricky opponents: West Ham, you know, Newcastle. Newcastle for you know somehow you know I I personally never expected them to have this kind of return in form, but you know Eddie Howe's done done a decent job there. And Villa under Gerard are are a tricky team for sure. So 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 Tottenham, I think, like you know, like we said earlier, they probably have the more easier uh, run of fixtures before the end of the season. And you know, it's it. I think it really depends on them, and they are sort of you know the masters of their own destiny, and they just have to do as much as they can to pick up the points. And they have to, and obviously, it really helps that Kane is back in form. And like you said, you know, Kulusevski has been incredible signing for them. I think just goes to show what you know what some really smart recruitment can do for you, and that you know that you are brave enough and willing enough to go for those kind of players. Then uh, during January, you know normally you don't see some kind this kind of turnover, but they brought in Bentancur, who's also been really good. They brought in Kluszewski. You're seeing Romero back in the team now. He was extremely good against Brighton. Um, so you know things are really coming you know put you know coming into place for them, and so. It's it's looking good. It's looking good in the fact that you know all of their profiles are clicking. But it's just about finding that consistent vein of form. I think 
winning against West Ham will also be really important in that, you know, because they are sort of a direct rival for the top four places. And I think, you know, because for the rest of the season, I think apart from Liverpool, it is a it is a fairly manageable run of games. And if they can pick up, you know, three points in most of those fixtures and maybe the odd draw here and there, they will be okay. But I think the bigger question is for them is that, you know, uh, they can't really control you know, the teams above them and below them and how they perform. So I think they just have to do as much as they can to, you know, win. And the sad part is that even if they do somehow, uh, you know, pick up maximum points from all those fixtures, barring the Liverpool one, by the time they finish doing that, the top four is could be, you know, done and dusted because the teams above them, you know, have have the, the edge in terms of, you know, just for places-wise, because look, I know we've said Arsenal and United have you know, obviously the better points total at the moment. So it could come down to fine margins. So that'll be tricky uh, to to see how, how that sort of shapes up. But you know, like I said, all they have to do is hope that Kane can deliver on a week-to-week basis. I hope that Son also finds his goal scoring touch. I mean, those two, when they combine, it's, it's I think even as a neutral, you can't help but not enjoy it. Uh, can't help but enjoy it. Sorry. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, especially Harry Kane because um, before Antonio Conte came in, when Nuno Espirito Santo was still at Tottenham, um, I mean the football was very very bad to watch, to be honest. And Kane probably on his first run of form, probably I guess for the better part of his last decade, I think probably since Mauricio Pochettino got a point as Tottenham. I don't think I've seen Harry Kane as bad as that. Um, I think individually as well, nothing was sticking. I think he got just like one goal before Antonio Conte came in, in, in the league. But after Conte came in, I think after that goal against Liverpool in the 2-2 draw, I think he scored a total of 11 goals um, in the league uh, for Antonio Conte, which is great. His hold-up play has been really, really great of late. Um, but yeah, it's like, like you said, like even against Manchester United, I think Spurs probably were the better team for a good period of the game. They were moving the ball better into United's final third, but there just wasn't enough, you know, um, enough quality or probably what you would say the final product, the end product. There wasn't good end product in the final in United's defensive third from Spurs. So, and some really bad moments of defending cost them, especially I guess. So. They are a team who who kind of look good, like you said. Christian Romero has been excellent. I mean, he's he's. I think he's probably one of one of the best defenders in the league. He will be one of the best defenders in the league, like one of the most talked defenders in the league pretty soon because he's that good. He's good with the ball. He's he's good at the basics, defending basics as well. So I think I think things are probably going to fall in place. How soon? I'm not really sure because that's how that's how uh, unpredictable they've been of late. But like you said, if Son comes in form, if Kulusevsky carries on this momentum till the end of the season, I think there's a very, very good chance that they get that fourth spot. But I feel the biggest challenge for them would be their rivals, not London rivals, Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, who are a very fun team to watch at the moment. They stuck with Arteta. Arsenal stuck with Arteta despite the horrible start to the season. There was there was issues, there were calls from their own fan base to uh, you know for Arteta to get the sack. 
I think Solskjaer, Arteta probably were on the same train at one point, you know, uh, getting a lot of stick from media and fans alike. But Arteta has shown that he has got it in him. You know, you back a manager with the players that you want. I think in the summer, if you look at the transfer business that they did, I think a lot of people in the media call that rubbish. Um, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't get Buendia because I kind of felt that he would have been a good fit for them. But I think getting Martin Odegaard probably was the best thing. Uh, when they were linked with James Madison, I was like, this probably isn't, you know, the best choice. James Madison is probably not the best choice, but they ended up buying Odegaard instead. And that that has been excellent because he is one of the best players at Arsenal at the moment. Arguably the best too. Ben White, Benjamin White, like, like he says, he loves people to call him Benjamin. So Benjamin White has been an absolutely amazing player as well for Arsenal. Aaron Ramsdale, he has errors in him. He has some moments of bad keeping, but his distribution is really good. He has uh, proven to be clutch at times for Arsenal too. So I think overall, the transfer business was pretty solid. And they carried that on probably after that poor start. Uh, in in uh, when, I mean, at the start of the season as well. And they were on a five-game winning run in the league just before they lost yesterday to Liverpool. But they, like, like you said, they played quite well. Uh, in certain moments and I think Gabriel Martinelli is a handful for any defender to have. He was having fun and I think the, the underlying numbers also speak good for them. It's like they've kind of picked that up. They kind of have done very well defensively rather. I, I won't say they've been extremely good uh, going forward. They haven't. They are kind of, I think that's probably an area where they might need to, you know, uh, they might need uh, a very good improvement on them. Probably might need to get a centre forward uh, in the summer. Probably a really good one. That possibly is the biggest piece of the puzzle for Arteta. But defensively, I think they've been solid, especially when they've had Thomas Partey, Granit Xhaka in midfield with uh, Gabriel um, and Benjamin White in, in centre-back. And Tomiyasu has been excellent as well this season, although he's kind of had injuries of late. Kieran Tierney has had kind of an up and down season, but yes, Arteta's team has been really good of late. And the biggest, uh, the biggest, uh, you know, positive thing that I could say of them is that they seem to have the mentality right now to get those results. We saw that in the Wolves game as well. They were frustrated a lot by Wolves. Wolves does that to you, and that's that's been one of the traits under Bruno Lage. But Arsenal stuck on went till the end, got the winner. And I think they've kind of shown uh, probably in the last two, three months that they have it in them to get those results. And that is very important. That's very, very important, especially in a team, which I feel, I, I think that's something that Liverpool are very, very, very good at. Even when they don't play at the very best, they kind of somehow get the results out. So what's your whole take on Arsenal, you know, like, especially after the, the form that they had at the start of the season? I mean, let's say, listen, they, they've been so good this season. I, I feel like I'm, I'm genuinely considering switching over to Arsenal uh, as, as a full-time fan, uh, which, might, which might not be the best thing for you know, my fellow uh, United you know, friends to, to listen to. But, you know, you've got, you've got to get credit you know, where it's due. Uh, Arteta has done a really good job. And I think it's, you know, it seems silly now, but then when you think about, you know, like you said, him and Solskjaer being on the same page, when you think about it now, it's like, whoa, did that really happen? That feels like a whole lifetime ago. Because Arsenal looked like a completely 
you know uh, completely ready team uh, i think i think they they look like where arteta wants them to be uh, obviously you know he would rather that they score more goals and you know concede lesser um, but you know to be fair their underlying numbers have been have been decent they are i think sixth in the league for expected goals for and in terms of uh, you know expected goal difference on a per 90 basis they are fifth in the league which you can say is you know something like i think they're you know the best of the of the rest in the league so you know there's there's been a lot of uh, positive uh, things to be said about arteta and and his arsenal side i think martinelli has been has been an incredible a uh, player for them of late uh, odegaard as well he's he's found his feet in the team now and i think um uh, like you said parte you know he's even he is since he's come back from his injury he had a rough spell uh, midway through the season but you know he's come out stronger from that and i think you know there was a lot of uh, there's been a lot of drama off the pitch for them as you know with obamian with jaka but for the team to come through all of that i think it takes a lot of mental resilience um and the fact that they've come through all of that and been able to show what they are all about is is, is quite impressive and then when you you know talk about their defense i think gabriel and and benjamin white like you said uh, those two have been an incredible duo uh, i think i think ben white i don't know sorry benjamin white one of his his uh, best attributes one of his best attributes this season has been sort of his availability because i think he's pretty much started started and played every minute of every game so far this season and i think that's a very valuable trait especially when you are a new signing you want to get as many minutes as you can and you want to you know uh, stamp your uh, put your stamp on the team essentially and that's that's something that white has done very very well so you know kudos to him for doing that and then you know all of these different pieces coming together um and then when you have when you lose someone like obamia obviously you know you know whatever there is to be said about his things you know about the situation off the pitch I think on the pitch there is definitely a case for him to be made as sort of the main volume goal scorer but I think Arsenal have found a way to circumvent that problem in that they don't rely on on being a volume goal scoring team which is I think I think which is fair I think that's not Arteta's focus at the moment obviously they can have games where they score three or four goals and they look amazing but they are also a team that can manage results they can get those one nil results two nil results and that's okay they're okay with that and i think that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting in the sense that they are able to control games and they're able to control results um by doing that uh, we they've seen the way they attack when they attack it's it's all out when they defend they are so compact they are really difficult to break down um you know so there's a lot of there's a lot of positive uh, there's a lot of positive things about them and it's it, it'll be interesting to see how 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 they sort of improve in the summer because you know like you said there's definitely room for a striker to be in that team i think and it, it'll be interesting to see how, how if if how and if they do go for alexander isak who is he's quite similar i think to like i said in the sense that he likes to drop deep he likes to be that link forward so i think there'll be a greater emphasis on other like some martinelli and saka and possibly odegaard to improve on their goal return um which i think you know they could they could potentially manage as the season goes on because martinelli is an incredibly direct player likes to get one on one with his defenders and then go past them and attack the box as soon as he can so yeah that that will be that'll be another positive uh, thing to look forward to but all in all i think things are looking good 
the Emirates and you know uh, kudos to them for for sticking through the that difficult period of the Arteta because that kind of patience is not really common place in, in modern day football you know things can change like this uh for for managers and it's a really tricky business i think especially for us as fans i think it's really interesting to uh, uh you know it's just quite frustrating in fact to see the managerial turnover at clubs and you don't really see managers being given a chance to sort of implement their style and implement what they want the team to be and i think what's been really positive for arteta and arsenal is that they are a cohesive unit uh you know right from the board to the players on the pitch i think everyone has a very clear vision of where they want this team to be and i think that's sort of where other teams should be i mean i i i see united you know they, there's plenty of things that you know united can learn from what arsenal are doing at the moment so you know i think uh, at, at least at the moment I see this team at least I see the foundations of this team being so good that possibly in the next couple of years you could see them touching Liverpool and Man City. I know it's, it's probably a very big probably a very big shot at the moment for them to immediately challenge them but give them a couple of years and I think Arteta will take them there, you know. Trust the process and that they've clearly done that. That's a, that's a, that's a really good message for the Arsenal fans, you know, trust the process. That's been that's been the word since the very beginning and like you said uh, that's a very i mean there's a very interesting point where you said that that arsenal probably might not be focusing too much on uh, the way they attack you know constantly creating chances and that's probably you you could probably see that um uh, uh, with the xd so the shot creating actions which is a good number which which is from stats from data of course uh, i think in terms of xd they played eight premier league games since the turn of new year they played manchester city and liverpool and they didn't create a lot of xg there but i think um probably out of the the 10 best xgs that they've created the whole season four of them have come um after new year or especially from february one was against wolves um when they played wolves uh, in february and when they got that late goal they actually dominated wolves to be honest and they finally got a goal for that that was a big win then they comprehensively beat uh, Brentford even Leicester as well and again Wolves again uh, late february uh, when they when they faced Wolves and got the 2-1 win so i think um, i think most of their good performances even attacking wise have come probably in the last month february so there's a clear improvement to be very honest and like you said there is kind of a foundation uh, set in place at the club and with probably the right signings in the summer they could probably go a long way and close the gap between the top 2 or even the top 3 including chelsea to and and you know kind of make themselves stable at the top because at the moment united seem to be a team who needs a lot of work to be done off the pitch on the pitch the whole team they, they need a new manager spurs probably are a decent shout uh, probably might be a decent challenge but i think I think Arsenal probably are better equipped than them at the moment. The rest of them are like outsiders to be honest, even West Ham. So, so I think Arsenal probably have got the best chance of closing the gap down to the top 2 or 3. So, yeah, this is this is an interesting time to be an Arsenal fan. I don't think anyone really expected Arsenal to finish in the top 4 this season when the season started. I think a lot of people were banking on them to finish in a Europa League spot. So, getting into a top 4 might be Uh, an overachievement for Mikel Arteta's men. 
So that's pretty much it, I guess, for the podcast. I think we've covered um, a decent amount. At least I hope we have. And we've mentioned how these teams have, you know, their special strengths. And But before we round up, just one final um, question, Ninad. What do you think of David Moyes' season so far? I mean, the work that he's done at West Ham has been excellent. He is the chosen one. Yeah, I mean, even if he wasn't chosen one for United, I think he's definitely been the chosen one for West Ham United. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I mean I've been massively impressed by what he's done, I think. Uh, I think there's always been an argument with, with David Moyes that when you give him time, he is able to uh, put the principles that he wants in place. And like, you know, we've said, we said this about uh, managers earlier. You need uh, these, you know, you need these managers to have the kind of time they need to establish the kind of team that they want. There are managers who are able to immediately come in and, you know, implement their blueprint, which you've seen with Conte. I think they, you know, early on, immediately there were a few signs that this is a Conte team now. Um, but with someone like Moyes, I think, uh, again, you know, huge credit to West Ham for sticking, um, you know, with, with Moyes and allowing him to, you know, have the time to improve these players. And I think, you know, West Ham is is a really um, is a really incredible club at the moment because there's a lot that other teams can learn from what they've done so far this season, and obviously there's been a lot of interesting players that the club, you know, Declan Rice has um, has definitely improved this season, and I do think he might eventually move on in the summer. It's a big it's a big summer for him before the World Cup, so who knows? Uh, there's there's plenty to be said about him, Charles Bowen. Side Ben Rama, Paulo Fornals, and I, I could probably name the entire first team 11. I think what's especially interesting is that he's made Craig Dawson relevant again, which is just mind blowing. <laughs> you know, when you think, you know, he, he, was, at, he was at West Brom at one point, you never really imagined someone like him making a sort of comeback in the twilight of his career. But I think that's the way that he sets his teams up. It's a huge credit to him. I think uh, West Ham are well set to sort of. Being that you know mid tier, just below the top four, exactly. where they will always be that sort of a threat to the teams above them, but they will also get results along the way that will push them to you know increment incremental improvements. And who knows, maybe in maybe in a you know three or four years time, hopefully uh, for them, we could be talking about West Ham as a genuine uh, Champions League contender. But for at the moment, I definitely see them finishing, at the very least, in a conference league spot, and at their best, a Europa League uh, spot would be great for them. David Moyes did do the same with Everton as well, you know, over a long period and continuously kept them in the top half of of the table, and if it was uh, with the current incentives with the conference league and the Europa League, I think think Everton would have played in in Europe more often if if it was the same thing. Um, So I think they at, at the moment currently uh, i think they they held uh, i think they they got a 1-0 win over sevilla after 90 minutes which means the europa league round of 16 game is going to go into extra time which is great i think getting into the round of 16 in the europa league leicester, leicester didn't but west ham have they are the only english team to do that i think um, still stay in the europa league at the moment so that's that's great from them probably missing a bit of firepower in attack because Mikel Antonio, we know he's really good, but there is a lot of inconsistency with him. So if they get someone that's really good uh, 
that's like a really good uh, replacement for him. I think they are going to be, you know, a very, very threat, a pain to play against, you know. Uh, especially watching Liverpool play against them was really, really painful because they attack you on the counters. They are physical set-piece threats, huge set-piece threats as well. So, yep, they are an exciting team under David Moyes. And like you said, could possibly be and end up being, you know, uh, a regular Europa League or a Conference League team. So that's it with the top four discussions. Just before we end, I just want your predictions in our first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. I want the top six from you in order. Oh my God. Okay, let's you put me on the spot here. But all right, uh, off the top of my head, um, I think I think Liverpool are going to edge Man City to the title. Mm. I just I see something different about them this season. I think there's a lot of things that are clicking together for them. Especially with Luis Diaz coming in. He's been a breath of fresh air. Um, really enjoy watching him. So, Liverpool first. Man City second. Chelsea third. Uh, I'm going to say Arsenal fourth. I, you know, I'm trusting the process. So, Arsenal fourth. Uh, United fifth. And, and Tottenham sixth. So, mm, yeah. I see the big six being the big six still at the end of the season. Um, as much as I would love to see West Ham crashing the party. Probably not going to happen. That's a, that's that's a, that's a... That's a strong prediction. That's a strong prediction. So, yep, nice, nice, nice to hear that from you. And yes, that's that's pretty much it for this episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And do follow Ninad on Twitter and do read the stuff that he writes for InfoGold. He writes um, on on the top five leagues, top five European leagues. He writes some really amazing articles for them. Just, just. Just follow him on Twitter and engage with all his content because those are really, really good stuff. And if you aren't following him, so you are missing out on a lot of good football content. So that's pretty much it from my side. Thank you so much once again. Ninad, a pleasure speaking with you. I hope we record with you again in the future. Until next time, bye-bye. Take care.